a little crook. Yeah, a little crooksy daisy, as we say, in the uh, podcasting <laughs> business <laughs> industry. Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Ruffins. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, which was a game that was developed by Capcom, published by Capcom, and released in 2010 on the Nintendo DS. And iOS. Uh, so, Ghost Trick is, by most measurements, a, a like an adventure game. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I would describe it. It's broken into discrete puzzles, uh, in a way that a lot of adventure games kind of are. Mm-hmm. But it is a game that also has just like one metric fuck ton of text in it. So it definitely has sort of like that. Danganronpa sort of vibe to it. Uh, I believe this predates all Danganronpa games, though. That comparison mm-hmm. was mostly for my own frame of reference, but uh-huh. that's that's how I see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's from the same uh, director as Phoenix Wright, and you can tell. Uh, yeah, he he has a sensibility that is very easy to pick up on. I think, and I um. Yeah, and so it leans visual novel. Uh, it's it's pretty heavily integrated in there. It feels like a 50-50 split, almost. Mm-hmm. But, uh, now, I heard this described as an evolution of, like, the point-and-click genre, which I thought was a pretty good observation, because I, I didn't even think of it that way while I was playing it, but I think that is absolutely right. Okay, so sh- we should rename the genre to point and trick right yeah there it is that's yep and all right thank you for listening (laughs) (laughs) uh no yeah no i actually don't don't disagree with that uh it is like it it's because it's a lot of environment interaction in the puzzle solving uh, this does away with things like inventory management, like all the item collection, mm-hmm. which I don't know how many uh, point-and-click adventure games you have played, dear listeners, but that, to me, feels like a good thing to exclude to some extent. Uh, though I think the streamlining of the puzzles just generally is probably what makes this more enjoyable than a lot of those old point and clicks are mm-hmm. whereas like the probably the most egregious offender is like pixel hunting uh which this also doesn't really have but it is closer to that because you are just sort of like flying around looking for shit that you can interact with a lot of the time yeah it's got like a more explicit mechanical interaction uh as compared to a point and click uh which it benefits from a lot i think if you're directly comparing the two things right uh, so in, in Ghost Trick, in order to get to all of that, uh, we should probably <laughs> mention why the puzzles work the way they do, uh, at least the way that it is set out in the narrative of this game, which the game takes its own narrative very, very seriously, like not in as much as it's a serious narrative, but the game is very much about its story and less about the mechanical interaction, like in a typical puzzle type game. Uh in this game, you play as Sissel, which is how I've been pronouncing it, uh, and mm-hmm. I assume is correct because it rhymes with missile. Uh, 
who is killed at the beginning of the game, and your spirit then has this ability to sort of jump between objects and manipulate them. And also key to the plot, you have the ability to roll back time to four minutes before someone is dead, but only if that person died within the last day. And also you will cease to exist at the end of the night. Um, now, all narrative nonsense aside from all the things that lead into that and what are those rules actually about, the number of rules in this definitely made me think about other like Japanese media that we've talked about or watched or experienced, things like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Death Note, as well as 999 and Danganronpa, like this very rules-heavy sort of thing. Uh, but it's obviously laid out that way so that your so the puzzles work the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the setup is really novel, and I really liked the way that this game begins. Yeah, it it's it's a really clever setup, and I tend to like this sort of rules based universe. Like, I think that's one of the best practices in fiction is like establish a universe with clear rules and stay within them um so yeah there is like a sub-genre of like (laughs) anime and and games related stuff that that leans puts a big emphasis on that stuff um but yeah so the way that it's all presented to you i think is really good like the, the visual presentation of this is great uh, and we'll get more into that as we go. But like, yeah, the way that the tutorials laid out, and uh, like the, yeah, just the way that I'm just saying the same thing over and over <laughs> again. But just the way it's all presented to you is just really effective. Well, to talk to the to to, to <clears throat> let's try that one again. To speak to the tutorial and layouts uh, conveniently, um, the game is is. I mean, it's broken into several different parts uh, as far as, like, what you're actually doing at any given time, but I think most people would describe the two predominant ones are your puzzle solving and then your, like, navigation, because there's this element to it where because you can only move between objects that are a set distance apart or closer, it means that just getting from one point to another is, like, a traversal challenge in itself. And that allows the game to have both the timed puzzle-solving aspects and the, like, more free-form, like, try everything, do all the stuff, you don't have a time limit version of it. Yeah, I think that's the smartest thing in the design, is, like, the environmental traversal parts are, like, a subtle, organic kind of tutorial or, like lubing up for lack of better term uh for the the puzzle sections yes, a lack of there was there was definitely no, no none <laughs> okay i just wanted to use that word um but yeah so you get to see all the tools you have at your disposal in advance and see how they work and in the moment you don't even really think of it that way and mm-hmm. i think that's like what makes it a really nice piece of design. Yeah, I, I I do agree with that, actually. That was uh, what I was going to bring up, but you aptly sw- swooped in <laughs> to, to take the point before I could bring it up, is that 
there are just two different kinds of the traversal. There's the one where you're literally going from point A to point B, and then there are the ones where you have to move around in an area and it previews all of the different things. And then as that is just really smart design. It's like one of those things that I didn't really notice was happening until pretty late in the game. Uh, it was like around the prison part where I realized like how much time they spend setting up each individual environment mm -hmm. so that you can like learn how everything works before you go for it yeah it's more noticeable the bigger the area because mm -hmm. you, you're thinking that to yourself like oh i gotta figure out like where everything <laughs> is so i can like do stuff quick mm -hmm. and, and see uh we're on this like sort of mechanical discussion about all these puzzle solving elements and the the traversal and i don't want to jump like super far into like the game's plot where things start to change up but i really want to drive home how this particular method of movement like the mechanics that are in this game are kind of its biggest strength because there there are tons of games that i've played and i'm sure ones that i think bobby's you is a great example if you listen to that episode where Puzzle games in particular love to get you accustomed to a tool set, and then the later into the game you are, they add new things to it, and the new tools that you have often require a learning curve of their own, and the fact that Missile gets added to your move or like your set both in movement and in ability feels to me like purely additive like i think it's one of the few times that i feel like there were no hiccups it just was a bonus and it felt like they properly tutorialized it and everything like it's one of the best implementations of like new mechanics in a puzzle game that i've ever seen yeah i think it's because it's simpler than what you can already do like, it's really easy to understand, given the knowledge base you already have from playing the game, once right. you get it. Yeah, I I just... I, the only thing with that is I think they could have introduced it a little earlier. Because it, 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 it felt like you didn't get to use it very much, and it seemed like it had a lot of potential. <laughs> that is potentially true. I think uh, the big thing for me as to why I think... Uh, the missile power doesn't get introduced earlier is because they introduce a lot of uh, additional rules, of course, mm -hmm. uh, to limit its like functionality to some extent. Like the fact that they can only, you can only swap things that are the same shape means that there has to be a lot of very intentional design to make sure that things aren't confusing. And also that they include things that are not, because that's the biggest problem with, uh, the sections where you do have missile is that the things that you can swap often feel like they're really obvious. It's like this thing is obviously here so that you can swap it with something else later. I felt a little bit cheated in the uh, the segment where you swap the bullet with the knit cap mm -hmm. because I didn't like I just did that like it just happened on my first go through and I didn't really get to think it out it was just the only option that I had mm -hmm. and so it, it didn't feel super satisfying yeah if for me I had to do that over again because I hadn't knocked the uh, I hadn't knocked the hat off and that the knit cap just falls to the ground and is no longer the right shape mm -hmm. so I had to do it over 
which I think makes it is what they want to happen. Like it, it it's more of like a oh moment when it doesn't work out. You're like, I need to move that the hard hat first. <laughs> the hat falls yeah, into place, so, right? Yeah. No, if you just kind of fall into doing that, I guess it would be less satisfying. Fair. Yeah. No, I, but I, I actually thought when it was fallen down and in like a it looked more like a bullet shape there (laughs) so like i actually thought that you needed to make it into that shape and not like the more half circle shape Mm -hmm. i actually thought that the uh uh in that same puzzle which we're just gonna talk about i guess uh (laughs) that the eventual solution was going to be to swap the bullet with the hat or with the hard hat Mm. uh and that like the inertial velocity of the hat was somehow going to slow it down. And I was just chalking it up to like cartoon logic. Mm-hmm. I actually appreciate a lot. The fact that it was the different hat was the correct solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's like the puzzle where they introduce you to those mechanics. Uh, well, second puzzle, but like, you're like, it's the one where they let g- give you like free reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the idea of stopping the bullet in in, in midair. Yeah, no, it was cool. Yeah. I I did like it, uh, and it played well narratively. I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> this game is funny uh, on occasion, and that was one of the more amusing moments for me. Is when you swap the bullet and he gets hit in the face with the hat, and then like just plays dead. Mm-hmm. I guess it's it's weird. Uh, but yeah, so I do like the the missile mechanics, like the swapping mechanics, and I like your own mechanics. So they bleed together really well. And I was a little terrified that like the very last mission they were going to also add. I don't remember his name. The real it's like it's like Yomiel or something. Yeah, Yomiel or, or whatever. something like that. Yeah, I thought they were going to add his power. I actually to was it. disappointed that they didn't, because <laughs> it it basically was like, hey he's gonna be there too mm-hmm. and to use his powers and then he doesn't until <laughs> the very last thing and it's in a cutscene. so set up expectations etc that's fair i th- i agree that there was a, like a missed element of uh like completion to it where you feel like you should be able to have all three or whatever mm-hmm. but i also feel like it would have inevitably ended with you feeling like they missed some kind of opportunity to have more with it. Yeah, and so, yeah. it would have made things way more complicated because his power is to manipulate living things. Right. Because <laughs> the cat shows up and uh, in that part at the very beginning, and I'm like, oh, he's going to have to manipulate the cat to do something and et cetera, et cetera, and no. No. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah, I thought that was a little weird. Yeah. I do want to talk about that that damn cat, but I feel like our... It's too early. Yeah, our split should definitely be uh, more on the mechanical side right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, so that that was, uh, that whole last mission, like, it didn't feel like a super hard kind of last mission, so I could see them potentially doing, uh, like, adding an additional step to it, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I like how it ended up, mm-hmm. in all honesty. Um, how did you find... I thought that getting used to this game uh, in the early stages was, like, pretty complicated. Like, I wasn't I wasn't able to super grasp uh, 
how to like plan ahead to solve things in the first like three or four chapters and mostly just kind of like moved around and did all the shit that I could and it would eventually work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what they want you to do. Okay. Um, yeah. Like I, I took to this pretty, pretty smoothly and found it to generally be pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I actually kind of wish it would have had, a little bit more of a difficulty curve and that the mechanics would have gotten fleshed out a little bit more. But, uh, as it is, I thought it was like a really enjoyable, like no hiccups kind of experience. Yeah. I, I, I actually do agree with that in that I thought that the game was not too difficult. I just thought that as far as the puzzle solving goes, there's puzzle solving and then there's like puzzle doing. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it weighted pretty heavily on the doing stuff. Like, I don't want to use the phrase trial and error because like there's very little error. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times if you try something. Experimentation. Yeah, it more or less is just the correct thing to do. Yeah, that felt really intentional to me. Mm-hmm. Like I think they thought this was a unique enough concept that they designed the early stuff to be more like you messing around with things to figure out just like the the ins and outs of how the game worked so i don't know i i thought that seemed like what was supposed to be happening (laughs) and it like ramps up as it goes but not quite enough to my liking. Yeah. It, it could have gotten a lot more complicated. I don't know how much I would have appreciated that, considering on previous episodes we've talked about how quickly I can just sort of, like, zone out of a puzzle game when mm-hmm. it gets, like, way too much. Yeah. I thought, like, the the iteration time on this was pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, because, like, there's the one mission where the... Um, the minister guy or whatever has the heart attack. Yeah. Uh, and you have to do a whole series of things to like knock the medicine bottle back up onto his table. And like that took me like four or five different times, like messing with stuff. Like I felt like I fell into every pitfall they set up. Right. Where I would do a thing and I was like, oh, wait, I needed to do that after this. And then I have to <laughs> rewind it again, you know? And I actually. Even though it felt a little gotcha, mm-hmm. like you can feel like the designer being like, ha ha, you did <laughs> what I thought you would do. Uh, like it felt enjoyable to work through that. So I wouldn't have mind if they like cranked up the difficulty a little because it felt fun to work through to me. Yeah, I think that puzzle in specific was more of what I thought this game was going to be from the outset. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in that particular one and rarely at any other point in the game you are really constructing like a rube goldberg device to attempt to solve this problem because you try all the different stuff and the game's pretty heavy-handed when it comes to hints like it likes to flash up the like dialogue bubbles Mm -hmm. and stuff pretty often and once you get sort of like an idea of what everything in the room does, then what you realize is that you have to like knock this thing down to make a little seesaw, land this thing on the other side, then swap it back over to the other side, drop a thing on the thing, and then it flies across the room. And it's like this whole like five-step process to get it all put together and working. And that was... So that was both 
one of my favorite design puzzles and also probably my biggest pain point because the number of things that I had to remember meant that I had to keep restarting at the fate change over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that just gets like, I mean, obviously me aside, (laughs) it's not a significant amount of time. Like your time loss is probably like 30 seconds or so. Yeah. I mean, in your defense, I don't think it's like the time necessarily so much as it's like a game feel thing because in that one you go back and then you have to wait for the guy to start the heart attack again Mm -hmm. and like the papers to shoot up and to fly across the room and that they should have started you after that right and also every time that you jump to the medicine bottle it puts a spotlight on it Mm -hmm. and yeah and it says like whatever the the text is there yeah so it definitely has and i mean the game came out in 2010 and i and was a ds game and from my experience of playing games on the DS in 2010, mm-hmm. it's not really like, I feel like this is just a, that's, that wasn't a consideration as much in development. No. Like people's time in like those minute scale sort of things. And so I don't hold it completely against the game for making me sit through the dialogue over <laughs> and over again, but it was kind of irritating. <laughs> I didn't love it. Uh-huh. Uh, and that that really is... Uh, I have very little negative to say about this game, all things considered. And that is one of, one of my, like, two or three complaints, is that it did replay animations that you couldn't skip, even though the dialogue you can skip. So you mm-hmm. end up with these awkward sequences where you have, like, the fast-forwarding dialogue, and then this, like extended animation plays out Mm -hmm. and then a bunch of real fast dialogue and then you can play again it just seems like counterintuitive yeah yeah i don't know how like nitty-gritty that kind of stuff gets like with how because there aren't really cut scenes in this i think it's all in engine yeah and i don't know how well you'd be able to like speed that stuff up and how it's programmed and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, who knows? Checkpoint placement probably is like the best actual solution for this. Mm -hmm. Like if, uh, if this game is set up to run on sort of like a linear scale where all the animations have to play out in the same time or else like something gets fucky, Mm -hmm. then you could, then most likely if they just placed the checkpoint when you were on the other side of the room, it would have saved. So it was saving like three, four minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to you, three minutes before I die, I'm going to be like, I'd be here for another three (laughs) if it wasn't for those goddamn medicine bottles. I mean, you would have just spent it on something else. So yeah, (laughs) I caught you. Uh, trying to think of what to spin that into, uh, and I was, I was going to go for puzzle design, which feels a little broad. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have something, um, just off the back of that last conversation. I like, I, I really liked the puzzles. Like it felt like they started pushing into this kind of space, like two thirds of the way in, and then they kind of shift to like narrative focus. Um, but I like the, there's also the sequence with, I think it's the one with the bullet Mm. where you swap the bullet for the hat is you have to go into the basement, like puzzles that incorporate multiple rooms, like also the jail and like having to travel between different places. I I, I really liked that stuff. 
Yeah. And I wanted that developed more. <laughs> uh, I don't blame you. Uh, the fact that this game will never get a sequel means that we probably won't ever see. It's so sad. Yeah. Ha- but, but hashtag yeah. justice for Ghost Trick. <laughs> there was definitely... In that sequence, not only was there the part where you have to jump down to the basement, but there's also the part where you have to go back into time multiple times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is set up... A dream within a dream. A dream within a dream. Uh, ghostception, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. A jokes. death within a death. And uh, you do that in that one, and it is like it acts as set up for when you do it later as the finale of the game. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there was a, uh, there were a billion design space possibilities for that, that the game felt like it was... It felt like it was stuff that would be saved for a sequel. Mm-hmm. And there was the part in that one where was my favorite thing they did with missile power is that you had to manipulate the shape of something to like knock it on its side to change its shape. It's similar to the hat, mm-hmm. but um, to, like, the, to the make it the same can. shape as the, the, the lid, to yeah. make it the same shape as the door so you could swap them. And it's just like that stuff's really cool. Like I just feel like there's a lot of stuff you can play with there. And yeah, it, it, it seems like prime like sequel fodder there. <laughs> yeah. I, we actually, I remember I just listened to this episode for a specific reason that I'm now blanking on. But, uh, when we talked about Monument Valley, one of the things that we jumped to a whole bunch of times is they released that expansion pack where it felt like they took the things that were built upon in the first game and really sort of like built them out into what their eventual versions could have been. Uh, And I think that's true in this game as well. This game definitely has room for mastery. Like you can see it in your own progress. Like I think in the last four chapters, I had to restart a puzzle one time. And uh, that was like, that was me just like getting it. Like you get, I got locked and loaded on fucking ghost trick somehow. I think it gets easier in the latter half is, or the last third as well. I mean, I like that you shit on my accomplishments, but <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, also you're super smart. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> but I felt like taking that exact like learning curve where once you hit the ceiling or close to it, however, like, your particular trajectory goes there's definitely a lot of room for it to go and it just kind of doesn't go there (laughs) yeah i I would love this to get like at least the uh like the phoenix Wright treatment and like do a hd version hashtag perfect for the switch yeah (laughs) so it doesn't even take advantage of the two screens that much no for the most part the top screen just says ghost trick and it'll display some like the info on the top but that's i don't think that's anything you could just map to one screen yeah Uh, yeah it could just be like a hud element yeah the only thing this is such a dumb complaint uh and not one of the things that i want to levy against it but the game operates with a control scheme that is like completely like uh like control like control nub agnostic it doesn't care what you're using so you can control it with the d-pad or with the analog stick or with the touch screen yeah, if you're on a 3ds if you're on a 3ds 
Right, which has a control stick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... This is why I was surprised when you, you brought up trying to control the game with the C-stick, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Because I hadn't even considered it, because it was an original <laughs> DS game. Uh, I cannot, for the life of me, use a D-pad on a 3DS, or at least on the oh, 3DS yeah. XL, because the position of it means that my thumb has to be at like a 90 degree angle at ah. all times, so it's super awkward for me. But... The, uh, the, the, it works great in my opinion. Like after I got used to it, using the circle pad works amazingly for Sissel. But then once you have missile, it's impossible to navigate. I just had to yeah. use the touch screen for it. I feel similarly about missile. I had to use the, the stylus for that, mm-hmm. but I tried the circle pad and thought it felt like complete ass to use. Like, the sensitivity was weird, but I liked using the D-pad a lot. Okay. Yeah, and it, it gives, like, more of a... Using, like, the directional buttons as opposed to the touchscreen gives, like, a more... It feels like you have more momentum because you can, like, zip between things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it has that... I don't know if I want to call it an issue, but it has that thing that a lot of DS games have where it's, like... You feel I feel like as a developer, you feel like you have to put all your eggs in one basket and like control it with buttons or control it with the stylus because it feels bad to switch. Yeah. And like I would try because like I don't like skipping through or like, you know, advancing through dialogue by tapping the screen. Like something about that feels really tedious. Yeah. So like I would I would enjoy moving it with the stylus to play. But then when it would go into narrative stuff, I would want to switch back to the buttons. Right. And like going back and forth just doesn't feel good. Yeah. Playing, th- that's why I've gone through so many styluses. Because uh, you lose them. Well, no, because I have an oral fixation. Oh, you chew on them. <laughs> Whenever it would be a game that you play with the stylus and then you uh, would switch to buttons for something, I would always put the stylus mm. in my mouth. Like a fucking baby. I always put it behind my ear. Uh, and see, then that's, that's how I, I would lose it sometimes because I'd forget it was there. And it would fall out, yeah. Mine, if you break the... Uh, there's like on the stylus. This is some in-depth, in-depth stylus <laughs> discussion. Uh, if you if you look at a, a DS stylus, it has like a little thin bar, a tiny gap, and then the thicker, like, actual body of it on the top end where it, like, latches in. If you break or deform that little tiny bar, it just will fall out it of the DS. Yeah. yeah, so that's, like, what happens with all of mine, because I'll end up accidentally, like, biting through them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's why I tried to use the analog stick where mm-hmm. I could. In no, yeah, <laughs> I, I also ended up using the buttons and the D-pad, so... I like that the uh, both options are there, but it, it just always makes me think about like how actually successful like the DS's touch controls really were. Yeah, because like unless it was a game that was designed only to use them, I didn't use them. Well, I mean, if we want to talk about what a fool I am, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I was in in high school, when or junior high, Jesus, it's been a while. I think the DS would have come out like early high school for us like maybe the very very tail end of junior high yeah uh or middle school for people who live in yeah. regular places or in, that's just what they call it here now as well oh wow uh 
<laughs> but when we were we're so old we were, yes we're ancient uh when we were youngins though and the ds came out i remember looking at it and being like how are you going to use a stylus and buttons at the same time it's literally impossible and that was my reasoning for buying a psp <laughs> which in my defense had like four good games <laughs> and i did like those but then eventually i got a ds and realized that the library was just like fucking absurd the psp was ahead of the curve in being a media device though true there was actual value to the psp unlike the vita <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyways, defending young you. Yeah. Well, no, I was uh, I was I was dunking on young me for being stupid and thinking that a PSP was going to be a mm-hmm. better purchasing decision <laughs> than a DS. Uh, but yeah, and this is a game uh, that was released on the DS, and I didn't know about it at all, and now I'm sad. Uh. <laughs> But yeah, on the point that we were actually talking about originally, I think that it is good if you aren't going to use those buttons and sticks for anything else to just go ahead and map the movement controls onto them as well. I feel like several modern games have had this issue as well where they primarily focus on a particular control method and then an the optional other control method, it just goes unused and you can't even like activate it and turn yeah. it on. I think what would fix it for me is like an auto scroll for the text. Oh yeah. Which is something that I've seen in a lot of more modern like JRPGs. Uh and it's a thing like I don't know <laughs> when that came became a thing, but I don't think that was really anything I ever saw. Yeah. At this time, like around 2010. Admittedly, I don't play a lot of games that would have it, but I only became aware of this as a feature two years ago, I think, when we were playing Persona, which Mm -hmm. has it, uh, and I was like, or maybe it was a different game. Well, either way, at one point, and I think it's amazing, I think it's a great decision, Mm -hmm. uh, because it keeps the flow of scenes going without forcing you to sort of like stagger your inputs and shit. Yep. It's just good. It's good stuff. And they should definitely do that in this game. <laughs> make mm-hmm. the touchscreen more yeah. useful. Yeah, if you ever make that remaster, <sighs> think about it, put that in. Yep. We need to get on a fucking call with Capcom. Yeah. Guys, we have great ideas. Where's They're called check? use your old ideas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's, that's basically all I could possibly say on the controls. I, I kind of didn't love the ghost and trick buttons being on the bottom corners of the touchscreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you can do the trick part by pressing one of the face buttons, but a. I, is there a button for the ghost, like go yeah. into L, L. Mm-hmm. never did it. That probably would have helped. I probably would have yeah, you never could contri- used Yeah, you could control it all with just buttons. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't, but that, <laughs> that would have been fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, now that that minor detail is out of the way, that's probably all we really have on controls. <laughs> uh, but to talk about how the puzzles are actually designed... So we we talked about the one where 
it felt like actually constructing a Rube Goldberg device. And we talked about the one where it actually used the mechanics to go back in time two times and also to change shit around. Mm -hmm. But those are standouts. And the majority of them follow this more sort of linear path where you have to sort of see what the cause and effect of everything is and then see which ways you can go about changing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did any of those in particular, like, stand out to you? Um, Another one that stood out to me was the one in the chicken restaurant. We're, like, on the same page on this shit, because this (laughs) is also what I was going to mention. I feel like that's the first one that introduces, this is another idea I wish they would have iterated on more, of someone getting a phone call in the middle of it and you listening into the phone call and it's like do you want to go there or stay here and you have to like make a decision because mm-hmm. you don't know which one is the place you need to go and so i thought that was an interesting mechanic as well that they kind of drop but like that one felt like the ones that felt like they had more moving pieces were always the ones i liked better mm-hmm. and the the restaurant had like multiple floors and then you also had to go outside to the guy in the van and, like, it just felt more involved yeah. and interesting. Yeah, the fact that that one also has, like, two tiers to it, because you save the dude in the van, but then, or you go to the dude in the van and you try and figure out what's happening with that, and then you go back to his death after you realize there's nothing you can do at, at the restaurant to do that part of it, mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. That puzzle with the headphones was frustrating and finicky, <laughs> yeah. but I liked the implementation of it. Mm-hmm. And I like the part of like messing around in the kitchen, too, and like making it like steam up. Right. <laughs> I don't know, something about... Like, that one just... I liked a lot of the set pieces in that. Yeah. And that actually is one that did give me that eureka moment, because I was like... I like accidentally triggered the rotating chicken thing and was like, Oh, like I just, it, it like comes to me that flood of inspiration. I was mm-hmm. like, I know exactly what I have to do. Yeah. I liked it whenever they'd have characters move and that changed like where the position, like, so you could get further mm-hmm. of like the little access points in like those kept cropping up in unexpected ways like that, where the guy would lean back and his hat would go down, and then you could reach. Right, because he keeps hot sauce under his hat. Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> Just, yeah, they, they were clever with that stuff, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know if now... I guess not. This really isn't the time. God, the animation in this game is so good, though. like this is the thing that's been eating at me yeah i didn't know if we should save it for the second half or not i feel like we probably should (laughs) do you want to take a break what time is it uh it's been 40 minutes yeah i think yeah we should the animation is real good and we'll talk about that after the break. break Welcome back. Damn it, this game has good animation. <laughs> uh, so I think that it's been kind of like eating me up inside uh, since we began talking about this, and I, I've already regret not starting with this as like the opening conversation. Mm. Uh, I want to get your take on some stuff. 
But my my, uh, largest takeaway from this is I don't actually love the art style of this game. I think it is kind of like, I could take it or leave it. Like, it seems very sort of bland to me, the way that everyone is, like, styled. Mm -hmm. But the actual, like, modeling and animation of everything in the game is so fluid and gorgeous and they give it so much personality that i i end up loving looking at this fucking thing Mm -hmm. yeah a lot's been it's been probably the most talked about thing about the game and the way that they achieved it is they actually modeled all the characters in 3d and then rendered them out as 2d sprites Mm -hmm. which i'm not exactly sure what all goes into that but um yeah, and the result is you end up with like higher quality animations faster than you could doing it like with just pixel based sprites. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it was like they modeled the characters, rigged them, then did like all of the animation stuff. Whereas if you'd done it as an actual two D sprite, then you would have to sort of like frame by frame everything, mm-hmm. and it would have been expensive (laughs) well i mean you still have to frame by frame everything when with 3d animation (laughs) that's true but you have a lot more leeway as far as like automation goes Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know about in 2010 but that's my like general assumption about it yeah the 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 one that stands out to me is inspector cabanella cabanella is there an enya i I think think it's cabanella yeah i think that's how i was saying it in my head anyway yeah same (laughs) uh but he seems like a character that was designed and created after they like settled on this method of animation because mm-hmm. like he's always dancing. <laughs> Same thing with the guitar guy. Yeah, yeah, who who takes the big giant steps? Yeah, and... he's always headbanging. Yeah, uh, and also there's like that whole character whose like exclusive purpose is to freak out and dance. Oh yeah, the security guard mm-hmm. guy, uh, which that joke was good once. Yeah. And then they did it three additional times and they it sure stopped did. being as good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no, his his movements are always because it's so smooth, like the really exaggerated movements just feel like they're very like, hey, look at me. Like look at the cool shit we can do. Mm-hmm. And I don't disapprove of it. Like it's it's one of the I feel like they earned it. It's like in uh, in Heavy Rain, how all the loading screens are just like... The faces. Yeah, all of the faces of the characters because they want basically to show off their yeah. animation. Or um, the 3D Mario face in the beginning of Mario 64. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I, I actually kind of don't like the Heavy Rain one. That's and fair. That might just be... In retrospect, they don't look quite as good as they maybe once did. Well, they're all creepy, yeah. uh, like Uncanny Valley also. Right, but they're putting them up there because they're like, oh, look how impressive <laughs> yeah. uh, and realistic this is. But uh, like, I think a fun application of it is fun. Is uh, yeah, like I don't know how else to say it, but like I like it. It feels like a coming. it's coming from a genuine place and mm. not like a hey, look how great we are kind of place. Yeah. I mean, because it is, like, something that the technique, like, opened up for them, like, to allow them to do these more intricate animations. And so I think it's fair to have a couple of characters whose sole purpose is sort of just to 
show that off, show off the animation in a way. Mm, take and advantage it, of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that the character quirks really added a whole lot as far as, like, the narrative goes. Like, at no point does the fact that he dances everywhere he goes <laughs> really worked in at all. Like, it's never his downfall, and it never gives him an unseen advantage. It's always just a thing that happens. Nope. Yeah, it's just, it's used for jokes a couple times but like as the story goes on he stops doing it mm. well at one point they break all of his bones well <laughs> yeah it really hinders your ability to dance everywhere uh uh but all of that said like uh it could have been is kind of my point we talked before the break about the guy the chef uh who, like, keeps the bottle under his uh, hat, and then the hat tips back so that he can lean forward and and put the sauce on the chicken, and you get to jump to the hat when he does that and then move to other areas. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with him always taking those big, exaggerated steps and thrusting his hips everywhere like Elvis fucking Presley, Mm -hmm. uh, you could have used that. Like, you can pause the the game. Pause the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then jump to like his cloak or something. Yeah, the coat it... has the long. Yeah, the ta- the trench coaty. Yeah, tail part. Yeah, I wanted to say a train, but that's like for wedding dresses. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sure there's a word for it, but I can't think of it either. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then have it like carry you to a different location. It would have been mm-hmm. a good like use like of you, it. you you turn on a fan, right. and then you jump from the fan to the coat, and then to something else. Right. Uh, but all of that being said, I, I do genuinely like that they gave them these quirks just for the sake of, of like how interesting, like when he comes fucking that you don't even know what this game is. Like <laughs> you're, you're like, here's the introduction tutorial puzzle where you stop the guy with the dumb name with nearsighted Joe or the, whatever. The blue guy. Yeah. From shooting Lynn. And then you go down the stairs and then a dude comes fucking waltzing down all these stairs in this extended sequence. And it's hysterical. Like Like he's Willy Wonka. (laughs) And I feel like it works really well in that sequence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I appreciate it and wanted it to continue. (laughs) And it did, fortunately. Uh, Yeah, they give all the characters little animations, too, whether more exaggerated or not. Um because you got the ray the lamp who's like constantly moving back and forth right you got like lynn in the restaurant like eating the chicken and like all the characters have like little idle animations and stuff like they definitely squeeze <laughs> squeeze that animation in there yeah. as much as they can i will say the one place where i didn't appreciate any of it at all was the curry loving spoon man who was so uncomfortable to look at that i could not uh perform while he was on screen i don't even remember this <laughs> he's the guy in the prison oh who squeezes through the toilet into the little okay. tunnel and digs it out with the spoon. okay yeah I, that character intrigued the crap out of me. I did want more I, I explanation. Kept, I kept thinking they were going to do something with that. And then they did a little bit, but barely anything. Yeah, there's like an after credit sequence where he eats chicken mm-hmm. at the chicken restaurant. 
and is reintroduced for that like a split second yeah it's like him with his whole like prison escape thing that only you were aware of yeah your powers seem like it had interesting like potential Mm -hmm. for something but they 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 use him to let you jump between like the the basement or like where the electric chair is up to the cells yeah because he's in there asleep and whatever but that's all they really do with it yeah i do like the like implied storyline like there's a lot of this is on the x's and o's like that's all like really like it's a cool setup and it feels like they just kind of like uh yeah Mm, whatever i feel like a lot of the the scenes in this game are like on the verge of what people in 2010 would self-masturbatorily call environmental storytelling Mm. and this is the one that really like jumps the hurdle and becomes like you can put together this narrative in your mind of what's going on with the guy taking phone calls and he goes up and then like when the guards come in he puts the o to let him know that it's safe to go back into the the tunnel and keep digging so there's like this combined effort that they have going on Mm -hmm. and it's cool and i like it but they don't really ever do anything with it or anything ever again and i I like it because i feel like there's an additional wrinkle of like it just being coincidence Mm -hmm. you know like he's just balling up his calendar and throwing it in there (laughs) i think it is explicit that they are like in cahoots see i i feel like that is a definite probably the correct reading (laughs) but i feel like it's also like because the spoon guy seems like he's completely lost his marbles true and that he's just like like just these uh he's just x's and o's come through the pipes and he just takes it as like a sign right from like you know like whatever like a voice in his head or some shit (laughs) to just keep digging out of the prison like i don't know it seemed like maybe it was just like a a weird coincidence thing i mean i won't rule it out but that is not that was not my reading on no it. i think you're right but i ju- it just thought that was funny yeah well and, th- and that character is just well all of those characters don't really ever get too much of an explanation it gets explained why they're in prison uh but not really anything about who they are why they are but they do keep showing up, which is kind of the weird part. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you feel about the prison break stealth sequence that happens in that area? Um, I feel like it was one of the par- the only part because I I read a review or two uh, to see what people thought of this at the time and a lot of them complained about like trial and error puzzle solving. And I found that what, that wasn't really my experience. Um, but this was, that was the one part that really felt like it. Um, specifically the part where the guards are going up and down the stairs. Right. Like it felt like I had to do all kinds of bullshit, like jumping around (laughs) and like waiting for him to walk to specific places and trying to drop the guy through the floor to like desync them and shit like i was probably making it harder than it was but like i don't know it felt like that one had too many elements to it yeah i completely agree with this and it's this like weird point in the game where they sort of like take the going back to before someone's death like the four minutes before mechanic as just like an implicit retry uh as opposed to like something that you have to actually trigger and 
I feel like it makes it very shitty to play through like it does because it isn't like a regular puzzle where you have all this time and all of the like options available to you at all times they blank it out so you can't look at the screen and you can only see what's in your immediate vicinity in ghost mode and all of those other things are happening at the same time and you just have to pay attention to all the red dots and, like, the end result is a puzzle that isn't really that difficult, but because of all of the moving parts, you're just bound to fuck up, and there are no checkpoints. It's time-consuming. Yeah. It, that was probably my least favorite puzzle in the game, even though I was very amused by dropping people through ceilings. Yeah. It was just a fun, enjoyable thing to do. Yeah. I, I find it hard to fault the game for it too much, because it seems like an obvious, like, thing that you would think to do with the mechanics uh but with the game being as short as it is and i think it ends up being a miss and it just feels like a waste at that point yeah it it feels like an attempt at a difference in kind yeah that just kind of falls through yeah a ceiling onto the floor yes exactly (laughs) uh yeah that was i we we got off the 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 thing about animation real quick accidentally because uh, i forgot I feel like about we talked that. about that for a long time <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> and then just moved on <laughs> well I, I guess okay <laughs> did you have more to say about it asked an answer i guess i was gonna ask more about your uh uh because I opened by being like, I don't really like the art style, but the animations are good. Mm-hmm. Specifically on the art, though, like, did you, was there anything that you found, like, cool and good about it or particularly <laughs> bad? Because I, I, I find it, I baited the question hoping to maybe there was, like, an opposing argument, but I mm. do find it just kind of, like, sort of standard to me. I, that makes sense for you. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think the character design's really good in this. Um, I particularly like Lynn's design. Um, Sissel's is weird, but I think it works because uh, he looks like the flame, like with his hair and everything. Right. Um, and I like the red suit. The red suit's very cool. Yeah, but um, overall, like I think I, I kind of like this art style a little bit better than Phoenix Wright. But there, I feel kind of similarly about it. Like, I think it's charming. It leans a little bit more cartoony, and that fits the tone. Like, it's nothing outstanding, but it's it's good. Yeah. I think the thing that made me think to come back to it is in that stealth mission, I, it, it makes you realize that the, the purpose of the art style in Phoenix Wright serves or is different. Like, the reason that they're styled the way they are is different than the reason that the mm-hmm. characters are styled in ghost trick where in phoenix right the character designs were supposed to tell you something about the character because you needed like insight into how they were going to react to things mm-hmm. whereas in uh ghost trick they're designed to cut like sort of a unique silhouette uh and i do like that that's probably the thing that i think is most successful about it like you're not ever going to confuse 
the ghost world variation of Sissel a Cabanella and the super because one of them is a, a big tall guy with stupid hair one of them has a big trench coat on and the other one has a pigeon on his head <laughs> it's like they're so completely distinct from each other that there's like no chance that you'll like mistake any of them mm-hmm. uh, and the same goes for Lynn like she has like that weird like spinosaurus it's like a bird i think like Uh, like a cockatoo kind of a thing yeah that makes more sense than the dumb thing i said (laughs) yeah um i i it made me think of skyward sword because a lot of the characters like the human characters in skyloft are like take visual cues from birds because you know or just named goose (laughs) yes um so and that's just kind of what that made me think of with her hair like that that makes sense uh yeah phoenix wright leans a little bit more just like straight visual novel and this looks a little bit more like something like the world ends with you or it's a little bit more like manga influenced in the way the characters are designed and i think they the fact that they rendered them as 3d models um probably affected the design as well like in like the way that like you know it's just the way that it's rendered i think affected older games and simpler looking games like on the ds a lot so that yeah. I'm sure that played into it a whole bunch. Oh yeah. The the world ends with you is actually a way better comparison that I didn't really ever think of, uh, as far as like how the visuals in this game sort of look to me. Like I feel like the the designs are similar in like what they're going for. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, no, that's that's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> Like the color palette and the render, like the illustrations of the characters and stuff. Yeah. This game is only slightly less punk rock than that game. (laughs) (laughs) What you got there? You want to talk about the story? Yeah, I think that's probably what we should do. Uh, Did you notice that Missile was the name of the dog in Phoenix Wright? And also the name of the dog in this game. So I did think that, but then didn't look it up and didn't interact with the dog in Phoenix, right? So uh, I wasn't 100% sure if that was correct. I just assumed. The dog in Phoenix, right, wasn't a Pomeranian, was it? I can't remember. I, he might have. No, he was a different kind of dog. Yeah. I Like I said, I didn't He was the same color, so though. Like brown with white. So there's obviously some continuity here mm-hmm. in the canon uh, <laughs> uh someone on the the team's dog is probably named missile and is brown and white yeah <laughs> uh missile is the best character in this game also <laughs> just as like a side note uh none of them re- i didn't like most of the characters not in like a I thought they were bad characters kind of way, but in mm-hmm. like a, none of them were like particularly likable to me. And Missile was great. And uh, all of his dialogue is hysterical. Uh, and that's a super lukewarm take, but uh-huh. I, I, it is very, he is very well written to like, the the greatest crime against this game is that it came out in 2010 and on a system that does not support native screenshots because mm. missile would be the most memed video game <laughs> image of all time 
Probably not, but like it'd be close mm-hmm. if uh, if it was. Um, but that's not really the story that we're talking about. <laughs> no, we can talk about characters though. But um, yeah, I, I think this game is overall pretty well written. But I, I felt like, and I liked Missile, but I felt like he got he verged on a little bit too cartoony at times. Like, and I, I felt similar ways about Phoenix Wright, whereas like these games have premises that take themselves somewhat seriously, but then they like always feel like they kind of push the line with like how silly they get, and you know, like, it's not, like, a big deal or anything to me, but that always, like, causes a little bit of friction with me. Well, there's, like, there's, like, a a, a sense of, like, tonal muddling. Uh I feel like this game pulls it off slightly better than Phoenix Wright does. I do, too. Yeah, like, Phoenix Wright is a game that is funny, that has a very serious plot, Mm -hmm. and because the characters are constantly making jokes, the plot ends up feeling less important because of it, and the things that they care about don't seem as serious as they should in order to move like your interest along mm-hmm. in this game i feel like the game's plot is outlandish and comic booky and yeah. it meshes a lot better with that like snappy dialogue that's like lots of one-liners the the fact that like people die constantly in this game like main character lynn dies like five times and it's like a yep. running gag and never once does the pain of dying ever come up <laughs> it's a good uh, does she ever die in a painful way pretty sure she gets shot she does get shot she gets crushed mm-hmm. she dies in almost exclusively painful ways well i mean, i see i'm thinking being crushed you probably wouldn't depending on the method of crushing mm-hmm. if you just were crushed you would just die, and you wouldn't even think about all of your bones being turned into a like a thin paste. Uh, it's still gotta hurt though for at least a second, <laughs> and then she gets to persist and actually remember the pain. As, well, maybe not because they always describe it as erasing the death. Yeah, and they don't seem to remember like they the rem- moment. They remember dying though. Yes, except I forget why Camilla doesn't remember dying because she. She doesn't know that she's been dead when you meet her the first time or the second there time. There is like an explanation. This goes back to your whole rules thing from before. <laughs> like there was a reason at the first time she didn't manifest as a core that mm-hmm. you could talk to. And there was a reason for it, but I do not remember. And then she dies again. Right. And then she has one. You probably can't hear that on the recording. Uh, there's, there have been times you could hear, like, sirens and shit. Well, that's a siren. Yeah. Like, if I had a dollar for every podcast I ever listened to where they were like, oh, there's a plane, I hope you can't hear it. Right. You can never hear it. <laughs> like, ever. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh, Camilla not being, uh, remembering her death. Yeah, I don't remember. All right. What the justification is there. Neither did she. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> woo. Good dodge that one. Uh, yeah, so there's there are all these, like, uh, moments where people are killed, and you bring them back, and because you can talk to them, and, like, the death doesn't... Like, you could literally, in the world of Ghost Trick, I could be having a conversation with you, then your eyeballs could explode, <laughs> And you drop dead, and then I can continue the conversation as if nothing happened. And because of that, it makes a lot of, like, the 
elements of the plot that in another game would be taken seriously a lot less serious Mm -hmm. and i think that is uh overall a good thing for the tone of the game Mm -hmm. no i would agree i think it's largely successful but i think it's just more of like a personal preference thing like given what's there i would like it to skew just a little bit more like taking the premise seriously yeah well especially considering I think that the, uh, the, not the final twist of the game, but like the twist of getting to the end of the game mm-hmm. to be like actually really smart. I, I like that they use uh, Yomiel's corpse. That is like he states before, like every time that he dies, he heals back to life. So he never really dies. So when he, they take the, the, the chunk of meteorite mm-hmm. out of him and he actually dies. Oh, it's like the sick meteor. Yeah, the sick, which means that he has died within the last day and you can use it to go back before his death. I think that's, that is a really intelligent use of the premise in order to like pull the narrative together after putting it, it, it felt like they had a plan mm-hmm. for that ending and were able to escalate the like action to a point where it was like the relevant and logical thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like they made up the plot as they went along or anything. <laughs> yeah. Although I would argue that if you removed the meteor, wouldn't it just take you back to the point where you took the meteor out? Yeah. Then that'd be the point that he would die. <laughs> I think that's why they wrote the dialogue in such like a specific and weird way mm-hmm. where he talks about like ping ponging between life and death. Yeah. Because otherwise, because it, it may, it muddies it just enough that you're like, eh, it was, sure. it was the moment that he should have died. Yeah. Uh, but I do, yeah, it's, it, it is, there's definitely a bit of a hole there, yeah. but it's, it's obscure. A meteor-sized <laughs> hole. You know, speaking of sequels to this game that should exist, the fact that, uh, Detective Jowled. Yeah, he was probably my favorite character. He's my guy, for sure. Yeah, yeah. hashtag my guy. <laughs> uh, the fact that he gets a piece of the meteor embedded in his fucking, uh, calf mm-hmm. at the end of the game feels like there should be, like, a deeper implication. <laughs> it sure does feel like it is a plot thread left dangling. Mm-hmm. But, like, not explored in this game and no sequel ever came. But I feel like that would have been the the thing that tied them together if mm-hmm. it was. Ghost Cat. Ghost Cat. The sequel to Ghost Trick. <laughs> I, they couldn't name it something that spoiled the end of this game. No, yeah, like. it would be Ghost Trick too. but... Yeah. Phantom with, with Cat a, t- Detective. With, yeah. <laughs> cat Detective. Cat. <laughs> uh... So anyway, that's the big twist at the end, is that you're a cat. <laughs> Spoiler yeah. alert. Uh, I feel like the twist is handled well, and I think they they milk it for a impressively long time. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that like you aren't the person that you look like is something that's introduced like in the middle-ish of the game, and, like, they don't reveal the actual truth of it till the end. Like, they keep you hanging on that for a long time, and you never are able to, like, guess it. Yeah. Um, But it's not, like, a gotcha kind of twist. Like, it actually does make sense. Yeah, and it's not something that, like, 
absolutely redirects the entire plot. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like this. I am not a, a writer, and this is not a writing workshop that I'm putting on. But in my mind, a bad twist is one that you don't see coming, and the result of it recontextualizes like the it it recontextualizes things in a really unintuitive way like i i feel like there's a version of this where it's revealed that you're the cat and then somehow the cat's been doing like all kinds of shit behind the scenes for years (laughs) and then like because you don't have your memories you know but like there's like a weird very sentient very active cat (laughs) but the fact that it was just a cat that had absolutely no understanding of the world and then it happened to be you plays into what the rest of the game was doing totally without hindering it. Mm-hmm. The Of course, the fine line is that the good twist is one that you don't see coming and it recontextualizes it, but also just in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Shutter Island has a good twist. Yes. And it makes it uh, still enjoyable to watch on a rewatch. You right. can pick up all the little, the little hints that were there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh... It's like a magic trick. It's like a magic. It's all about misdirection. It's like poetry. It's sort of they rhyme. <laughs> they rhyme. Um, but anyway, that's the end of the workshop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The the whole and I think this ties into like my slight dislike of the whole missile thing mm-hmm. is the fact that you end up being a cat. It's like you end up being a cat and a dog ended up being the lamp that was like the mastermind behind the whole thing. Right. It's like, if I was the director of this game, I would be like, you have to do one or the other. <laughs> like you, you can't have both missile be the mastermind and you be a cat. Right. <laughs> I think but that's, that's my own uh, personal preference. So I don't love the missile reveal at the end, like uh-huh. where he is Ray. And most of the reason I don't love it is because one, Old Missile doesn't yell, like, single-line dialogue. Miss Camilla a million times. Yeah. Uh, Old Missile was very funny, though. <laughs> like, that design, visually? Yeah, the design was great. Yeah, it was. But the second reason is because his whole spiel at the end about how everything worked did not click with me in any mm. way. Like, he kept explaining these steps, and I kept being like, does uh... this make sense? <laughs> like, I don't know. Y- yeah. But I do have a secret theory as to why it ends up the way that it does. Is it a game theory? Thanks for watching. You can get a hold of us. All, uh, <laughs> our, uh, there, are th- there are three characters who we see their ghost powers, mm-hmm. and they're a cat, a dog, and a human being, and all three of them have different ghost powers it depends on your your species species. that's what i'm guessing people can control people because people do that in real life and cats control objects because they like to like bat things and knock like they can't just leave Mm. anything be and dogs like to move things around like it's a fetch retrieval Mm. thing this is my my game theory that's not bad it's not bad that was i was like I like it. That 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 I probably is why I didn't understand the very ending of the game because <laughs> I was about. like, <laughs> no, it's it, it leans into that kind of like we kind of brushed up and got talking about like anime tropes a little bit, but that kind of like ah, it was my. It's not. It's also like a comic booky thing too, 
but like, ah, oh, it was my grand plan the whole time. You see, like way back before any of this happened, I was smart enough to know this and that. And so I put this and that into uh, motion. And then I waited 10 years, years. And then, you know, like <laughs> it tries a little bit too hard to be like, you know, like the omniscient one in the background that knew everything the whole time kind of thing. Yeah. It also sort of puts that like sense of inevitability on everything yeah. that mm, and i kind of feel it. like it doesn't make any sense for it to be missile <laughs> because i mean he's a he's written and portrayed very well as like a dog yes he, he, he speaks in english and you can understand him but his personality it's like a doug from up yeah it's like he but he feels like a dog the whole time i don't think he'd be smart enough to pull off this plan right. you know just as a dog so I think that was a little, it, it brushed up on a little bit too goofy for me with all of that stuff, but I, I don't think I would change it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even know what to change No, me it neither, to. but like, it is endearing and I do kind of like it, even though I have problems with it. Yeah. I did have like, cause this is part of the, the mystique of writing a mystery is where you have to have the player is going to be attempting to figure stuff out before you reveal it so you have to be really careful about what you reveal uh basically you want i guess you would want somebody who is very closely paying attention to all the details to be able to figure it out yeah. but the majority of people not to i i've read that there are actually a lot of little uh hints that sissel is a cat throughout the whole thing uh interesting like the way that he like the stuff that he says and things like if you play it knowing the twist like you're like oh i get it uh, kind kind of a thing yeah because they do talk about things that the thing that came to my mind was that there are moments where he doesn't know words Mm -hmm. and people are like how do you not know these words etc etc and i couldn't remember what any of the words were that he didn't know Uh at the end (laughs) so i wasn't able to like cross-reference the information Mm -hmm. but I can see that being a thing. Uh, but Missile being Ray felt like something no one could ever guess. No. it's it's. I think the best twists are the kind, yeah, that, as I said, it's like a magic trick. It's something that was actually there that somebody, if they were really paying attention, could pick up on. But through the way it's introduced in the story it kind of diverts your attention away from the important part so that like you don't figure it out and then it moves on. And then later you're able to go back and be like, Oh, it was there the whole time. But I, you know, I didn't notice because of this and that because of how the story was told, Mm -hmm. you know? So those are the best kinds of twists. And yeah, missile being Ray is not at all set up or, but I I think it works anyway. Sure. But, yeah, no, it's not super strong. Well, there is really no other option, exactly. I think, at yeah. that point. It that either was... is Ray or it's no, th- it's nothing. Or it's, like, something for a sequel. Like, it's something that you don't actually yeah. tie into the story. Or but maybe yeah. Ray's parents were junk traders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the real question is who are Ray's His parents? parents. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I was, I was like the whole time up until the end but i'm like who the fuck was ray like (laughs) 
And he does not come back up the whole game. Like, what, what are they going to do with that? I expected you to be inherently distrustful and assume Ray was the villain the That's whole the, time. If Ray had had a little bit more of a presence, but he's, like, just, like, in the tutorial and then never comes back. Yeah. If he had come back, yeah, he would have been the villain. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one other thing on Missile before we drop out of that conversation. Yeah, completely. I hope I didn't shit on him too much, because mm-hmm. I do like Missile. Yeah. I think there's a missed opportunity, because when he comes up and he swaps the leaf and the big giant thing, uh, he's like, it's like, here's how I got here. And he jumps into the door, and then he opens the door, and then he runs to the park, and then he gets hit by a guy on a scooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get that they had to set up the whole thing with the Temsic radiation where he had to die in the presence of the uh, the meteor in order to get his powers. Mm-hmm. But I would have, it would have been, and this is cruel, I guess, but like just <laughs> so unendingly funny to me is if he just jumped into the door like one more time than you saw in the like cutscene, and it just killed him. Like he just <laughs> jumped into the door repeatedly and just died from doing that. Like it really would have driven home what a dumb idiot he was. That is pretty black <laughs> humor. Is. But it is still humor. It is, yes. Uh... That's what I have on that. Uh. <laughs> uh, I don't want to leave it to the very end this time, uh, but the music in this... Slaps. It does. And I think similarly to Phoenix Wright, it carries a lot of weight in the game, like more so than a lot of other series. The music cues are, are really on point. Mm-hmm. The... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't quite hit the level of the objection theme in Phoenix Wright as far as, like, that moment no. where it kicks in. But it's it comes really close. The For me, it's the, the music they end up playing during the credits, which is, like, the revelation music mm-hmm. uh, that's really upbeat. And also, the this is weird, but the save theme that just... It sounds like a PBS, yeah. like... But these are our sponsors kind of like yeah. jingle both serve a, a purpose like emotionally and i think they both hit the mark really well mm-hmm. and the rest of the music is just like good yeah uh, yeah it just they use it to like pick up some of the slack because it is a handheld game like i think this team is super good at that mm-hmm. and i it's one of those things i don't think you can fully appreciate unless you like saw a worse version of it <laughs> Yeah, that's that's actually true. This is something uh, that I've definitely become more, like, prescient of. That's not a phrase that you say. I've become a lot more aware of it when I'm playing games now since ever before. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where I feel like the, the timing of music is so important compared to, like, just the quality of the music. And I think prior to, like, a couple years ago, I was just like, eh, I didn't love the music. I thought this song was cool because it had, like, this cool beat or whatever to it. Mm-hmm. But the the way that this game sort of layers its its soundtrack uh, to, like, cue important moments and things that the player should take notice of, uh, I wouldn't have noticed this if I played it five years ago. And mm-hmm. I thought it was exceptionally well done. Yeah, it's like where the the soundtrack meets the sound design. Mm-hmm. It's like how it's 
spaced out and edited and you know, like when it plays, et cetera, et cetera. Like that, that slight moment of silence before the dun, 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 dun in a Pokemon <laughs> game, you know, it just makes it, makes it stand out more. Yeah. No, no. Did I actually leave the music till last, even though I didn't want to? <laughs> no, I think I've got, uh, I have one other thing that ties a little bit into all of this. Um, it feels like a capstone sort of conversation to me. Uh, so you can jump in if you had anything else. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the thing that this game does exceptionally well uh, that I was tempted to mention earlier, uh, but I feel like we needed to get sort of like the plot and everything out of the way first, is that I think this game is pretty expertly paced. Because we've talked about a lot of games at this point. This is episode, like, 95 or something. Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. And often we complain when a game feels too short or too long. Uh, And I think we do a good job of praising when games run their length and are good at that length. And I think that this game is one of those. Uh, I, I think that the story... Well, I didn't, like... We mentioned this a little bit when we were talking about the plot. I, I feel like the story didn't quite like... It wasn't enrapturing to me, but I think that it was still good and the writing was really good. So to the point where I felt like the places where I stopped playing, I felt like were natural places to stop playing. And the places that I was like really into it and wanted to keep going to the next thing were put in really good parts. Like The last four chapters felt like they went by pretty quickly even though they were longer than previous chapters uh because you get that like coming up to the revelation of the mystery and the game didn't overstay its welcome and at a 12-hour game on a handheld system that actually surprises me (laughs) like i feel like that's very uncommon uh i mean i don't know if i really have much to disagree with or (laughs) to add to that um yeah like this game it goes down smooth uh, (laughs) to put it a different way uh it's it's easy to just keep playing and there's stopping points after every chapter because it's a handheld game and they designed it with that in mind so that you could just stop and start uh, between chapters really easily. So if you want to play it that way, you can do that too. Like in, you know, it's just, there aren't a lot of like barriers. Like the puzzles are a little on the easier side. So you aren't getting stuck. It's, it's just a pretty smooth experience. And as you said, yeah, like the story isn't amazing, but I think the story and the gameplay really prop each other up. Like when one thing might not be doing it for you so much, the other thing is. Mm-hmm. So it like, yeah, it just keeps you, it pulls you through. Yeah. I guess there wasn't really a whole lot of uh, additional <laughs> things to say on that one. Yeah. I can't, I can't really like name a specific example of something that like that indicates how well the game is paced because like sort of by the nature of what pacing is like it all kind of flows together mm-hmm. well uh i mean you could as a counter example you could throw up something like dang and rampa oh which is paced horribly uh, see i wouldn't agree with that necessarily <laughs> but like it's laid out or designed in such a way that it feels longer than it is yeah. You know, and it's like playing a whole bunch of it at once feels like kind of exhausting. Yeah, I think speaking specifically about V3, 
just in case yeah. anyone because that's the one that we played the the game opens with what it thinks is like a cool like as they refer to it themselves a cold open where it's just like a whole thing a whole story from beginning to end and then it picks up like the first chapter of the game is Danganronpa and then the second one is Danganronpa 2 mm-hmm. like it's it feels like a sequel to itself but it's like this more contained thing mm-hmm. but that takes six hours not really it takes probably like two to three hours mm-hmm. but it takes several hours but it hours. feels like six, six hours <laughs> and then so it feels like you you do this sprint or this marathon sprint and then you go into the actual game and it becomes exhausting because you've already expended a bunch of your energy mm-hmm. in that opening bit. This yeah. game doesn't this game builds really effectively. Yeah, I think it's about the presentation too. Like Danganronpa throws a lot at you mm-hmm. and this it, it feels more like calculated and it's just it's well designed, it's well paced, and yet it, the easiest way to appreciate it is to compare it to other narrative focused games like there are plenty of them have that have been paced poorly and that makes this one stand out i think even more yeah i also i liked the fact that there were a lot of characters in this game but i feel like the ones that were actually important and given the most narrative weight weren't detracted from in order to build up like minor characters like you said like nothing ever comes of curry guy <laughs> and it shouldn't <laughs> Because he doesn't really play a role. No, he has no lines. Yeah, but he is introduced, and he has, like, a backstory, and you can learn about it, and then it's just over, and then you're focused on Jowd after that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just a good way of handling an ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I I, I talked about it, and I keep referencing Phoenix Wright, but... uh, (laughs) I mean, it's the best point of comparison for this. But... I talked about on that one how I feel, it feels like this team is just really good at designing for handhelds, for like for limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it really feels like everything is really well considered and designed with like a smaller budget and a more limited hardware in mind. And they craft like really interesting standout games uh, for the platform. Do we have final resting thoughts phantom thoughts phantom thoughts final thoughts but spelled (laughs) p-h-i-n-a-l yeah so i liked this game a lot i actually think i like it more than phoenix right um it's a little bit like briefer and whereas like phoenix right i think like the biggest thing i had against it was it felt a little bit too long mm-hmm. yeah so this i think was paced a bit better and i, I like the mechanical interaction of it uh, i felt like that was paced with the story really well um yeah like it's it's charming it's a lot got a lot of the same strengths it's charming it's funny um it's you know it's got that kind of like a trademark of like this director uh and this team it just has that like feel of like if you've played phoenix right you'll be right at home with this i think um it's really creative it's just i feel like it's kind of a shame that this didn't do as well uh because i would really love to see another one um and i know 
that they commented on wanting to do like a, a crossover game with Phoenix Wright. I read this too. Yeah, and it's like that would be a really good fit, and it would be a way to give this series another shot mm-hmm. because if that game sold well off of the Phoenix Wright game, they could do another ghost trick potentially. So, but I mean, that was years ago that that quote was taken, so it looks like it's not going to happen, but. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed this. Uh, I think it's definitely a hidden gem given how like little I've ever heard about this game. <laughs> yeah, I it's th- it's a shame. I-, I do feel like I've only heard about this from like two other places before mm-hmm. actually playing it myself. So, uh, in defense of Phoenix, right? <laughs> no, yeah, I don't want to put down Phoenix, right? That's a good game. I was just surprised how much I preferred this given that it's like, nobody's heard of this game. (laughs) (laughs) What I was going to say is uh, Phoenix Wright felt too long a lot because the remastered version has that extra chapter Mm -hmm. that takes forever on the end of it. And this game obviously doesn't have that kind of a thing. Uh, That being said, I probably not surprisingly, if you've listened to both episodes, uh, I very much prefer this game to Phoenix Wright. I feel like a lot of the things that, it tickles different parts of my brain uh, as far as, like, the actual puzzle solving in both go. But uh, even with that aside, I feel like Ghost Trick plays up a lot of the strengths that Phoenix Wright has up to, like, a higher level. Um, the, the selling point of this game is that it is, like, a very unique mechanical experience. And I agree with that. I think that I like the way that the puzzles play out. I liked fucking around with things in like the freddy fish style of like what does this do you hit it, it does plays a little animation you're like ah except you actually have to catalog that and use it later in a puzzle mm-hmm. uh i thought all of that was very cool i enjoyed myself going through this mechanically uh and if i had complaints it's that the checkpoint system is a little questionable because you have to repeat animations and stuff and the game gets a little wordy at times uh but other than that, I have very little to say that isn't positive about this. So, uh, do recommend. Hashtag would recommend. Yeah, 8 out of 10. <laughs> IGN.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my mind was blown. <laughs> you will not believe. Click on the link below to read more. Put a big red arrow in yeah, the thumbnail. Big, big circle, big red arrow pointing to <laughs> missile. Mm-hmm. This will shock you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Kentucky Route Zero because we don't know if it will come out during the mystery month or not. Nancy June, TM, TM, TM. On the chance that it does, it is a pretty mysterious game. Yeah, it's interesting enough to do outside of nancy june but also totally fits within it so who knows where it'll land (laughs) (laughs) it's a coin flip uh until that time you can get a hold of us all of our contact information is on our website at nocliptpodcast.com or on splattershot.pro uh there you can find all of our contact information our links to our twitter our youtube uh find episodes about fucking Phoenix Wright. We just did that mm-hmm. last year. It was a good time. Dan was on it. Yep. Other mystery games. We did Dag and Rampa, Detective Pikachu. 
Gallus that Detective Pikachu. Et cetera, et cetera. It's it's a pretty entertaining episode, actually. Uh, yeah, it's got a good title as yeah. well. It's the the Phoebus one. Spoilies. <laughs> They're Phoebus in the game. <laughs> Possess that subscribe button so that you can ring that bell. <laughs> ring the bell. So that the guy gets a little exclamation point above his head mm. and walks over to take a look at it. And then what he looks at is a sick episode of the No Clip Podcast <laughs> that he'll yeah. subscribe to. If he gets an X shows up, he goes over, puts his headphones on, and listens to the No Clip Podcast. <laughs> if he gets an O, then he subscribes to the No, no Clip, Clip Podcast. Yeah. It's good either way. If he gets an X and an O, he rings that bell. <laughs> Welcome to Capcom. Welcome to Capcom. I'm Cap Brother Com. <laughs> I'm Cappy Comic. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> and do you mean dumb?